Good morning, one and all, and welcome to our weekend worship service from the United Methodist Church of Westlake Village for this Sunday, September 13th. It's an exciting time for us since we are doing this worship from our church campus, making sure we have all the elements in place for hosting and broadcasting a service from here in the very near future. I'm going to have Paul work the camera a little bit to show you what you might expect when we have our worship here on campus. To begin with, Rachel and I will be leading worship from this platform area that we've created here at the corner of the Memorial Garden. If you choose to attend, you will be seated in one of two areas, and one is the patio area, this breezeway patio between the sanctuary and Alton Hall and the education building. You'll see there's some umbrellas and there'll be places for you to put your chairs or your blankets when you come, and you will be otherwise seated over here in the grassy lawn area that's in front of the youth building and alongside Alton Hall. If you choose to attend worship in person, you will need to register beforehand online before Sunday morning. You will enter the parking lot, not the normal way that most of us enter off of Hampshire Boulevard, but you'll be entering campus off of the Westlake Boulevard entrance to the parking lot. Be screened by Vinia as you enter as to whether you have registered or not. And then if you have registered, you will proceed through the parking lot to park and go to our welcoming greeting station, this first station here, which you're seeing here at the end of the sidewalk in front of the church office. There will be markers there alongside the building for you to stand if there's a queue that forms um, as you come to gather. You will there be uh, asked if your health remains in the good condition it was when you filled out your registration. You'll be uh, given a temperature check to make sure that you pass that and then you'll proceed to entering into the campus area over by the youth building, that sidewalk we have over there. And that's a place where you'll be greeted again by another host who, if you have any questions about what to expect during the worship service, will be able to fill you in so you have a confidence of the different steps. There'll be an area there for if we're having communion for you to pick up the individual packets and there'll be a table area there to take your offering. You'll then proceed from there to sit yourself wherever you wish, on the patio or on the lawn, but we will have two hosts. You'll see Boyd will be one of the hosts, and here he comes around. He's, he's dressed for our rehearsal today, looking good. You see, he's got a shepherd's crook, and that's to, that's to help him to make sure that you're the six-foot social distance from one another. It will be important that you are um, observing that because these are some of the things that will make it possible for us to worship together on campus. You want to remember our being present with one another is contingent upon all of us wearing a mask, keeping that physical distance of six feet between family household units, no singing or loud calling out. We're not supposed to be doing that. Nobody get full of the spirit during any of these services here. It's also contingent on you bringing your beach chairs. Paul, maybe you want to pan by. There's another one of our hosts, David Beetlebach. And David, is, is Carol the right distance from the severances there? 
it, it looks like they're all right. And you can see the severances in their, their beach chairs. Um, you'll want to bring a blanket to lay on on the grass or beach chairs to sit on. The idea is that you will bring your own supplies for sitting and that way we won't have the worry of sterilizing them after the service. You'll get an email and a letter alerting you to all these procedures again. So don't worry if you're not remembering all of them. And there will be signs up on campus uh, that you may have noticed as Paul panned around that remind you of what you need to be cognizant of. We hope this will be happening very, very soon. So let us uh, center ourselves now and prepare ourselves, take a breath, get ready to worship our living Lord. Our Psalter reading this morning comes from Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise is in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tram tambourine and lyre. For the Lord makes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with victory. Let the faithful exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy in their couches. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and the punishment on peoples, to bind their kings with fetters, and their nobles in chains of iron to execute them on them the judgment decreed. This is the glory of his faithful ones. Praise to the Lord. This is the time in our worship service where our children have a moment for us to have a conversation together. If your family comes to worship with us, we'll invite you to stay with your family during this time. And I will look around the gathering to make sure that I make eye contact with each family and each child so that you know that I'm talking specifically to you. I will also talk directly to the camera so that those of you who remain at home know that I'm talking to you as well. So that whether you're here in person or you're at home, you remember that we are a family together. I'm talking to the wrong thing. Oh, there's a second camera, so we switch back and forth. You can see Warren may be playing right now as I'm looking at the two cameras. I don't know, but there's two cameras that will be focusing on me. So I will look at both cameras and go from there. And life is good. 
Uh, and so, but I want to talk to you a children's message. I gave an invitation the last couple of weeks to send me your pictures, to send me your images. And last week I asked you to send images that remind you of God or things that make you wonder. And we had a few submissions. So I think up on the screens now, you will see a picture of a cross that reminds one of our young people of God and a picture of an elephant because wildlife creates wonder for our kids. And then the next screen, we have a picture of one of our children doing their children's bulletin. If you have not received an email from me with the children's bulletin, please let me know so that I can send it to you and that you can participate in such a way as well. And the other one, I love it. I got this image from Luke that uh, is a pelican scooping up two fish to take them to, to their family member that they're looking for. And some of you guys may know the movie that it is, and that's okay. But in trying to figure out how this reminds this young person of God, I thought maybe it's because this young person remembers that God scoops us up, meets us where we're at, and helps us get to where we need to be. So this is a reminder for you and for all of us that God is with us. Sometimes we're not even aware of it because there's so much other stuff going on, but God is there guiding us and helping us to get to where we need to be. And that is a great joy. Yesterday, I posted on our new Facebook Family Ministries page uh, a video that introduces our Sunday School curriculum, Celebrate Wonder. If you haven't seen it yet, I encourage you to go watch it. It has one of the new songs. It invites us to wonder and question. And I read you some scripture in that, and I want to read it again today. One of them is a praise to God, and it says, You are awesome and a wonder maker. You are God just you. And the other one sounds a little bit familiar because we used to say it every Sunday as we began worship, but it reads a little bit different. It says, this is the day that the Lord acted. We will rejoice and celebrate in it. I invite us to remember that God is a wonder worker, and God invites us to be in activity, participating in the act of creating and helping to create God's kingdom. The next few weeks, as soon as your Sunday school curriculum is available, we'll be talking about how God created the earth over several weeks or several lessons, and we'll have the chance to remember with wonder what God created and how God invites us to create as well. Will you guys join me in prayer? Let us take a moment to talk to God. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for all you created, for being the wonder maker. Allow us to continue to wonder and to seek you in all we do. Amen.
please join me in a moment of prayer. Awesome and almighty God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the ways in which your spirit moves and guides and directs us. We thank you for the great outdoors where we can experience your majesty, whether it's in the courtyards of a church facility or up in the mountains or at the beach. You continue to inspire us to wonder, to seek you, and to know you more fully. We thank you for the ability to set guidelines so that we can try to gather safely while maintaining the protocols necessary to, to be as healthy as possible for ourselves and for our church families. Be with us as we continue to work on the technology and the gathering protocols so that we can do so in such a way that gives honor to you, honors our worshiping community, and continues to sing your praises. As we focus this morning on what we eat and what we drink, what we take into our bodies, allow us also to reflect on where we spend our time thinking about things, what are our emotions? What are we giving thought to? And help us redirect our thoughts to you. So often it's so easy to go for the thing that we want without recognizing what we need. Invite us to ask the deeper question of what we need. So as we head to the refrigerator, the cabinets, the liquor closet, we instead ask the question, what does this food represent? What do these things represent? Do, are they really going to nourish me? Or are they just going to be an empty band-aid that does not offer healing? Allow us to seek the healing that we need and to ask the difficult questions so that we come before you as people who give honor to you and continue to live lives that seek your, you in our fullest being. As a church community, we ask for prayers of healing for Kathy Drake and Jenny Lee after surgery. We ask you to be with Linda as she continues her treatment for cancer. We join Ernie Lauer in lifting up prayers for his daughter, Michelle, who was recently diagnosed with multiple myeloma. We pray for our communities in areas throughout the Western United States who are experiencing fires right now. Be with those who have lost possessions, those who have lost loved ones, and let them know your presence. Be with those that are suffering from the poor air quality that they might find ways to tend to their health and take care of themselves. Be with everyone that we might continue to be like the first responders, doing what we can to address the issue and fix what is wrong. Lord, this weekend is one that we remember September 11th, the lives lost, the people who sacrificed so much to respond to the care of others, and the ways in which our nation rallied together to bring hope and promise to one another. Allow us to focus on the hope and the love 
and to remember the ways that despite our heartache, you continue to radiate to us, offering healing and inviting us to live in such a way that it brings our communities and our families together. We pray all of these things and take a moment to say the prayers that are on our hearts this day. All of these things we bring to you, saying the prayer that your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now let us take a moment to hear a word from the Lewis family sharing September's mission moment. Hi, we're the Lewis family, and on October 10th, the United Methodist Church of Westlake Village is sponsoring a blood drive from 8 to 1 p.m. in Alton Hall. The church has had a long, generous history of supporting blood drives. The coronavirus pandemic has significantly impacted normal blood supply levels. All blood types are needed, particularly type O. The need is acute, and your help is urgently needed. A wide range of protocols and safety procedures will be put in place. All staff members will wash their hands, wear masks and gloves, and will change out their gloves after each donation. The staff members will also use sterile one-time use donation collection kits and will wipe down each donation site after use. Donors will also have to follow similar protocols. You'll have to be at least 16 years old. You have to wear a mask. You'll be asked to drink plenty of water before your appointment and also ask you to eat at least two hours before the appointment. Of course, We'll need everyone to socially distance, either in Alton Hall or in your car. Finally, if you're not feeling well, please don't give blood. But under these protocols, Vitalant has said that giving blood is safe, similar to the level of risk that you take going to the grocery store or going to a doctor's appointment. All blood and platelet donations will be tested for COVID-19 antibodies, and you will be informed of your results. In fact, if you've tested positive for COVID-19 and recovered, you may be able to help patients fighting the virus. Complete an online form at vitalant.org to see if you qualify. Every two seconds in the U.S., someone needs blood. That's why it's so important that we continuously replenish the blood supply. 
Many blood drives have already been canceled, so your individual donation matters now more than ever. Sign up using information from the Covenant or in our Friday email announcements. So, please donate on October 10th in Alton Hall from 8 to 1 p.m. Because of you, life doesn't stop. Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from Sirach chapter 23, verse 6, and Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Let neither gluttony nor lust overcome me, and do not give me over to shameless passion. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
some quick background remarks for our fall sermon series. I've been led to the topic by the conviction that the pandemic has opened a window for us to examine our patterns and make some healthy changes. And by David Brooks' widely popular book, The Road to Character, in which he writes about the importance of building a good character for a good life. How we harm something inside ourselves if we succumb to poor choices, namely our soul. And the significance of working on ourselves to build our good character. So we seek to recapture some words that have fallen out of fashion. Words like sin and soul, redemption and grace, vices and virtues, and the word character, which I'm taking to mean the aggregate of features and traits that form our particular nature. We recognize how generally in life there seems to be such an emphasis on external and material success. Houses, cars, bling. Yet we, we benefit the, the best in the most lasting of ways by internal success. Identifying and maturing our inner self, our true self, our moral self, that God image within us. As Brooks stated in a RNS interview, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to have a conversation about morality if you don't know what a virtue is or what character means. So we're reaching back to regain the language and its important insights for who we are and how we could and should be. So this fall sermon series, we're going to look at some classical vices and virtues, qualities that shape our character to the good or to the bad and consider what we might need to do to strengthen our good character and to help build good character among those that we love, particularly in our families. We'll reclaim the moral language of the tradition of our faith and recognize the lasting value of practicing a virtue to protect ourselves from a vice to intentionally build one's character to the good. So let's get into rebooting, refreshing, and renewing ourselves to a, a new normal that sets a course for a better life. Last week we talked about our sexuality and we examined the vice and virtue of lust and chastity. And today we take a look at consumption through the lenses of gluttony and temperance. Now we noticed last week as we looked at our sexuality that we humans have some basic drives that help us stay alive and propagate 
the specie, and, and this is good and this is normal, isn't it? Our appetite for food and drink are as basic as they come. We need to eat and we need to drink to stay alive. It is thought that we can survive three weeks without food and about, about one week without water. Harsh circumstances would shorten those time periods. So when we're talking about this vice virtue of gluttony and temperance, we're, we're recognizing that abstinence is not an answer. It's a more nuanced and tricky circumstance with these basic appetites of consumption. The need to eat and drink to stay alive, well, it's just basic to us, isn't it? And therefore, we can't deny that appetite, yet we do need to moderate that appetite so we consume the appropriate amount. And that's what makes it so hard. If we get these appetites out of whack, we have a problem because we still need to eat and we still need to drink. We are forced into a place of temperance or all can come unhinged for us. Now, I think there's a couple ways that we can frame this conversation. And and one perspective is with a spiritual understanding. The body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we seek to maintain the body well and use it in its proper ways. The Apostle Paul is ranting on about sexual licentiousness in the passage from which this quote is lifted. Yet I am confident that its wisdom is, is properly expanded to our topic today. Our bodies are the temple of the Spirit. When we overeat or overdrink, we are abusing our bodies with an overabundance of nourishment or of toxins. And we are putting our bodily systems at risk. From the faith perspective, through the vice of gluttony, we are abusing the very thing that is the, the home base of the Spirit in our lives. We are attuned to the Spirit or disengaged from the Spirit through the facility, the capacity of our bodies. This vice or virtue has some very real consequences. I recall a book called The Fingerprints of God. It's a marvelous book by Barbara Bradley Haggerty, a journalist who wrote for the Christian Science Monitor and worked on the religious beat for NPR. She states what science is learning from brain discoveries about our spirituality and religious experiences. The body, mind, spirit aspect of ourselves is very interconnected. Whether our spiritual experience is all chemical and electricity type stuff, which the materialists 
in their view of us, say it all is, or whether there is a consciousness beyond our materialism, which we religious type folk like to assert, the studies clearly documented that attitudes and behaviors of faithfulness impact our bodily functions and our health. It's not a good idea to fool around with this vice and this virtue. We say the body is the spirit's temple, the place through which we experience the spirit. As we claim that, we implicitly acknowledge that we should treat its home well. The spirit's home, our bodies. So one motivation for embracing the virtue of moderation or temperance in our eating and in our drinking would be to honor the spirit within and enhance rather than impede our experiencing of the divine. This would greatly help the building of a good character in a significant way for each one of us. Whenever we intentionally walk with God, you've got to know we help ourselves immensely. Now, another perspective to take on, on getting a handle of this is a, a physical understanding. Overeating and substance abuse <laughs> will kill us. America is the land of abundance in so many ways, aren't we? And in, in some of those ways, we are the breadbasket of the world. Our agricultural methods and our systems of distribution bring abundance to our local neighborhood corners for our convenient consumption. And even in this time of pandemic, thanks to our essential workers, we are supplied well and aware of our abundance and our good fortune in this regard. We become more aware of this American reality when we reflect upon our overseas travels before the pandemic shut it all down. Some of these products of plenty that we have are good for us, Yet lots of them, we've got to admit, though they're incredibly tasty, are unhealthy for us. In my younger years, with a soda in hand, I could eat a bag of chips at one setting. And before we went on our pandemic social distancing, it was a, a, a joke and a, a point of uh, hard work on all the staff's part not to eat up all the youth group's bags of chips that were in the conference room once you have a little it's hard to not have a lot many people are concerned that america has a problem of proper childhood nutrition too many of our children are unhealthy because their diet is unhealthy they are consuming more junk type food than good old healthy food Yet it is a serious problem at any age. 
Gluttony compounds itself when we overconsume unhealthy food and drink. You know, there's a great saying, you are what you eat. We are the fruit of what we consume. We're looking to raise awareness with each other so we can do the best things for our bodies, for the spirit's temple, for our own health, to follow a pathway towards healthy and towards a good life. We need to eat, but we need to eat in a healthy way. And we need to drink, but we need to drink in a wise and a healthy way also. In, in moderation. Many of us rejoiced when the medical reports came out that it was good for our hearts to consume a glass or two of red wine a day. Yet we truthfully need to be cautious here because for some people, one glass turns into a bottle before too long. And we all see clearly how alcoholism is a rampant problem. I'll go back to quote uh, a passage from that hundred-year-old stalker book just for, for fun. Why are people so eager to drink? He asks. There must be a vast dull misery in their hearts to make them willing to sacrifice their means, their character, and their hopes for the sake of securing temporary oblivion of their condition. Is that too old-fashioned and prudish of a statement, or is there real truth in that? It can get bad if we let it. The virtue of temperance keeps systems in balance and in proportion. So one aspect does not get out of whack and take over. Temperance controls the unruly elements in our human nature. Since the unbridled indulgent of desire soon ends in both physical and moral exhaustion, we need to bring the virtue of temperance to help us resist the vice of gluttony or overconsumption. So we go to AA meetings or we go to OEA meetings. We do diets and exercise. We, we change habits. We, we put ourselves in new circles of friends or new environments that support our efforts at temperance. We might have to work hard at it we might fail and then have to get up and work hard at it again. But that's the drive that we need to have to reach the goal that is best for us because the dividends are great. We will have a better health. We will have more energy. We will have a better emotional balance. We'll have a renewed confidence in ourselves, especially if we have conquered that overindulgence that we were facing. And we'll have an increased spiritual vitality. It won't be deadened or dissipated by overindulgence. 
all elements, these are benefits that I've just spoken about, all elements that build a stronger and a better character, a more resilient and vibrant soul. Now, I know it's not easy to change our patterns of consumption. And it's so easy to be tempted to consume more than we need or really want. Bringing the virtue of temperance squarely into our thoughts and applying it to our consumption habits is just a smart thing to do. It will help us to honor the Spirit's temple and experience the Spirit's presence, transcendent, inspirational, and edifying. It will simply help us to be happier and healthier. Follow this path, and you will be on your way to a solidly good character, setting your course for a better life with a new normal. Amen. As we set course for a better life, we recognize our need for God's presence and guidance to help us navigate the waters as we develop our character and evaluate our virtues and vices. We give thanks for the fact that God meets us where we're at, whether we've got that virtue under control or if we're still plagued by the vice. God loves us, God walks with us, and God invites us onto the path of virtue. This is the time in our worship service where we have the opportunity to say thank you to God for doing just that, for being with us, for giving us so much, offering us new life and salvation. If you were here in our midst and you had not dropped off your offering at the plate on your way in, I would encourage you to drop it off on the way out. But as most of you are watching us online today, I'm going to invite you to take a moment to either write your check and get it ready to be mailed out tomorrow or to go to our website to make your donation there as we receive the gift of music.
Well, we are so glad that you have joined us for worship today. We trust it has been emotionally uplifting, that it's been, in a, in a good way, thought-provoking, and that it's been spiritually nurturing. Our good thoughts go with you as you set your sights on this upcoming week. May you be blessed and may you be a blessing to others. Go with God. Be safe, stay healthy, and know that you are loved. Amen.